Good morning. It is seven minutes after 10 o'clock on a Think Tank Thursday. Coming up at 1035, uh, Ron Calzone is going to be with us. And uh, Ron is going to talk about, well, legislation that apparently will protect government from citizen scrutiny. Want to hear about that? That'll be uh, about a half an hour from now. But right now, film tax credits. This sort of thing makes me crazy. Uh, Brenda Talent, uh, the incredibly talented Brenda Talent, is with us from the Show Me Institute. Brenda, we're going to use, what, uh, Missouri taxpayer money to bring the film industry here? Uh, again, Gary, because uh, we had a film tax credit way back in the day at sunset. It ended back in 2013, and good thing it did because I believe our state auditor said it earned us a Fifteen cents on the dollar—pretty unwise investment. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether our legislature has developed, you know, star-itis, Hollywood-itis. I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah, every year it seems they resurrect this tax credit, which does not have proven results. In fact, doesn't have proven results across the nation. They like to say we want to be the next Georgia, but guess what? Georgia's auditor has said they've been losing money on their film tax credit. Um, it illustrates so many basic economic principles of why you don't have these types of tax benefits for a special industry. Um, and it starts with the fact that, you know, it, the people talking about this going, oh, it's going to bring all these jobs to Missouri. Uh, in the past, it didn't. And, and they're forgetting the fact that what they're doing is they're diverting funds for this special interest and forgetting what those funds might be used for, like infrastructure education, and other things that taxpayer, really benefits taxpayers across the board rather than their most favored industry. Well, now suppose a guy was going to make a TV series to air just in Missouri. Uh, he might call it the Missouri Bucket List. And uh, he'd go around to different cities and communities and highlight businesses and uh, travel, you know, uh, things that people would want to see and stuff. Would he be able to get a, a tax break from the state for doing that? If this goes um, through? If, he, if he's engaged in um, making new expenditures, yes. I mean, it's a pretty broadly worded um, film tax credit. Um, I haven't dug into all the details, but basically if you make qualified expenditures, you would. But, you know, the thing is, is they've also created tiers. Sort of like if you, um, if you hire a certain number of Missouri people, you get an additional... Um, step up on the credit if you if you um, if you are doing something favorable you get a step up those types of things but but th the other is you get other benefits if you're making sure that it's actually disseminated nationwide um, so th they've put in a lot of bells and whistles in this and and of course what they're saying is oh this makes it better it makes it better than what we had before and it's like no it doesn't make it better <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and and by the way this is what I would say to her. I, I am so puzzled, Gary. We have policymakers talking about reducing or eliminating the corporate income tax. Good thing to do. And at the same time, they're talking about issuing tax credits to these favored industries. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and the other thing is, is that there's no guarantee that whoever comes into Missouri to film is going to present us in a positive light. Again, they tout Georgia. Well, Georgia and a number of other states that have films talking about Missouri don't present us in a good light. I would say your dollars are better spent. Not that I necessarily favor this either. For for our Department of Tourism to promote the image of Missouri that we want to promote, 
not some distorted view that basically suggests we have a bunch of drug runners and backwards people in our state. Well, see, I just shot a pilot, just finished the pilot. Uh, we're uh, we, we're going to try and get it on uh, every city in the state of Missouri, uh, highlighting different tourist attractions, restaurants, uh, and businesses. And uh, now you're telling me I might not qualify for the money, so I'm against this thing now. Well, and that's the other thing, Gary. Of course, uh, we have film production companies in the state, and th this in this incentive will attract their competitors to come into the state, even though they've made capital investments in our state, have employees within our state. They've already made the decision that being our, in our state is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, Gary, I'm sorry. And, and you know what? You wouldn't qualify, Gary, if you've already filmed this stuff, okay? So oh, you would be out of luck. Darn. Now I'm really, you know, it, it reminds me of these people who want to fund stadiums for professional ball teams. It's the same yeah. kind of stupidity. It is. How about we just continue to cut taxes for everyone? How about we remove regulatory barriers so people find it easier to, to create businesses and hire individuals? Why don't we do that? It's, it, you know, I know it's a, a revolutionary thought, but it's one whose time has come. Sharon sent me a message from GaryNolan.com. These dumb idiots can't get rid of the personal property or gas tax, but they can bring movie stars to Missouri so they can take photo ops with them. Typical. And, 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 and Gary, l let me remind you, this tax credit is based upon expenditures. It's not tied to tax. I mean, it, it, so in other words, if you come into Missouri and you expend a lot of money, those count towards your credit. It's not like your net revenue that, that the tax credit's tied to. It's tied to your expenditures. So for example, when um, George Clooney came into St. Louis to film, what was it, Up in the Air? Uh, we were reimbursing for the fact that they were staying at the Ritz and eating at fine restaurants. <sighs> What would we do without the show me yesterday? Uh, and, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you guys testified in front of the committee. Am I right, we did. Jeff? In, well, for this most recent one, we um, we weren't able to get there. I'm trying to remember. We did submit testimony, and we um, we have been writing about it a lot. Um, I think that wasn't that the day that the ice storm came. <laughs> Anyways, um, we had issues getting to Jefferson City that day, and, and we did try to introduce. In fact, we did send our testimony to all members of the committee um, and ask them to be sure that they they read it, and then we posted it on our website. Well, hopefully, they understand how stupid the idea is uh, because it costs us all. Um, if they're getting tax credits, then they're not paying taxes that we have to. Well, Gary, I don't know that the people who've introduced this legislation and continue pushing it understand how unwise it is, because obviously they're still promoting it. Uh, we need other folks to realize that you know this is a bad idea. It was one that we tried before. It didn't produce the economic results that people said it would, and I can guarantee you that this won't, one won't either. And you know what? If you want to go on Hobnob with the Stars, get yourself a ticket to the Oscars or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably make taxpayers fund it. All right. Uh, Brenda <laughs> Talon, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Gary. All right, Brenda. The Show Me Institute. Uh, film tax credits. I read the... Uh, testimony you can too 
just uh, go over to the Show Me Institute's website, showme.org, uh, and look this up. It is just a terrible investment. All right. In his State of the Union address, President Biden celebrated his uh, reignition of the cancer moonshot, intending to slash cancer deaths by 50% over the next 25 years. Um, but there's something he's doing that is actually going to make that harder to do. We'll chat about that next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. Dave Roland, MoFreedom.org. He's going to be with us. Uh, Mo first is uh, Ron Calzone. He'll be on with us in about uh, 10 minutes at uh, 1035, uh, talking about legislation that is designed to uh, protect politicians from the scrutiny that you may want to engage in. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll cover that shortly. In the meantime, apparently uh, things are about to heat up in uh, Ukraine. Russia has hundreds of thousands of soldiers, thousands of tanks, hundreds of warplanes preparing for a new assault. Uh, Vladimir Putin is believed to be preparing for this massive offensive in the coming weeks to coincide with the first anniversary of the war, February uh, uh, 24th. And uh, this will be the, uh, this, the, you know what I think, Brian? I think this will be when the airplanes, uh, the, uh, the jet aircraft end up going over there, yeah, too. Um, I think you're right. I mean, they are draining our coffers. Uh, Zelensky hailed uh, the United Kingdom for their support, but warned it may not be enough and called for modern fighter planes. The new assault is feared to be much bigger than the first wave, which stormed across the country toward Kiev. Almost exactly one year ago, uh, the 1,800 tanks, nearly 4,000 armored vehicles, 400 fighter jets, 300 helicopters uh, for the attack, according to a, a Ukrainian official. They added that Putin is gathering 2,700 artillery guns and 810 rocket launchers for this new wave of attacks. It's much bigger than what took place in the first wave. They're not paying attention to any casualties or losses. Sometime in the next 10 days, we expect a huge invasion. This is uh, going to cost us. It's going to cost And it could have been avoided. Could have been avoided. Um, but but I, we, I was reading uh, something over the weekend, and whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. But there was a report out that Biden and others were, and Zelensky and... Russia agreed to peace talks, and Biden said no. Had you read that? I have not read that. But the the whole thing is centered around NATO. That's what's got him up in arms, you'll pardon the expression. If NATO had disappeared when the Soviet Union collapsed, we wouldn't be here. Uh, but it but it didn't, and it continued to be a threat. And he doesn't want Putin doesn't want uh, missiles right on his back door any more than we wanted them when uh, uh, Nikita Khrushchev put them in Cuba uh, in 1961. So it could have been avoided, and it wasn't. And I and I do I, I feel badly for the folks in in Ukraine. Although I will tell you that they are not saints. Uh, they are not, it's not like uh, some innocent little country uh, full of nothing but good guys. 
their administration is crooked. The one that uh, preceded them that was uh, backed by Putin was crooked. Uh, it's not utopia. It never was. It's not our job to go and defend them. It's not, it's not up to you to get up every day and go to work so that they can take a chunk of your pay and send it to Ukraine. Now, if you feel sorry for what's, you know, for Ukraine, you can choose to write a check. You can go help them. I have no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is, you know, people are struggling to make ends meet and we're spending money on another country. Creating, by the way, friction between Russia and us. And if there's anybody who should be handling this problem, it's the Europeans. This isn't, this isn't the United States. This isn't uh, America. This is Europe. The British, the French, the Germans, uh, the Italians, all of those European countries, they should be the ones deciding what to do and how to do it. And it shouldn't cost us anything. All of these foreign engagements are breaking the bank. And they're telling me now, I'm reading that it's going to take us uh, decades to, to replace the armament that we've sent to Ukraine. You know, what happens if somebody does attack the United States? We'll be virtually unarmed. Uh, it, it, it's really sad that, uh, that we're engaged in this at all. It just isn't the government's place. And for those of you who feel badly about it and you're thinking, Gary, that's just terrible, we should help them, we got to stop. You know, it's the old domino theory that they used in Vietnam, which, by the way, didn't happen. Do you think we're, we're providing them military advisors? I'm sure we are. Uh, to we're what doing extent? Training. To what extent? Uh, say, hey, they're coming in here. Let's. Uh, oh, absolutely. A- we're we're giving them uh, satellite data that we we're collecting. We're giving them information. We're training their troops. And how much does that cost? Billions, with a B. Billions of dollars. And it just isn't the job of the President of the United States or Congress to take your money and send it over there or to take weapons that we could be using to, uh, to defend the United States in the event of an attack. And don't think that's not possible. It is. And the more we get ourselves involved in these other countries, the greater the likelihood is that somebody will come here. Anyway, um, uh, I hesitate to do this with uh, Brian in the studio and uh, Scotty listening out there, but Uh-oh. Biden's anti-vaping policies undermine his cancer moonshot. Actually, Jim Babka sent this to me. In his State of the Union address, he celebrated Biden, uh, his reignition of the cancer moonshot intending to slash cancer deaths by 50%. I love these promises these people make, these politicians make. Um, you know, we're, I'm going to cure the world's ills if I'm elected. Uh, to this end, the Biden administration will be, quote, preparing further action to help people avoid smoking in the first place and support Americans who want to quit. Uh, these uh, are likely references to the Food and Drug Administration's plan to ban menthol cigarettes and 
remove almost all of the nicotine in cigarettes left uh, on the market. It's unclear when either of those prohibitions are going to be implemented, but I guarantee you there will be a black market. Given that youth smoking is nearly non-existent, just 2% of high school students smoking at least once in the past month, preventing a new wave of teen smokers is not an unrealistic and incredibly challenging aspiration. However, 31 million adults do smoke, 12.5% of the population. In addition to preventing kids from smoking, Biden promises to support Americans who want to quit. But his policies say otherwise. The FDA has banned more than 99% of e-cigarettes, which are safer than cigarettes that were on the market when Biden assumed office in 2021. Most of the public and a majority of physicians incorrectly believe that e-cigs are just as dangerous or more so than cigarettes. Yet despite Biden's own FDA acknowledging this widespread misperception, they have done nothing, nothing to remedy the error. You know, there are still people that think that nicotine is a carcinogen. It is not. Well, I'm just saying that there are still people that believe that it is. If you're a smoker and you want to quit, I believe, I have to, I have to couch this very yeah. carefully, I believe that your best opportunity to quit is to vape. You can get the gum if you want. You can get the patch if you want. Uh, it did nothing to slow me down. But vaping did. Uh, and Brian's another example. Brian hasn't had a cigarette in over 10 years because he vapes. Which reminds me, I'm out of e-juice and I have to go to the store and get some. Go to the store? Which one? The one that I always uh, go to. Which one is that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, well, it's just it's a, it's a place that uh, has everything that I want. Uh, and it's uh, it's right down the right down the street. Here. I mean, what do they have? What? How many juices can you choose from? I, I don't know the number, I, but I know what I like, and they've got them. Oh, good, good, good. Well, good luck on your search for vapes at that vape shop that uh, will go unnamed. Right? Right. Okay. Come on, vapor. Oh, what was that? That was that you come from your side button. of the studio? No, it came from no, your I, side it wasn't of the studio. Me. I... You pushed the button and made that play. Because <laughs> you like co that place. <laughs> that place, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, there is uh, apparently, and we're going to delve into this, uh, there, is, uh, there are rather some bills that will protect government from citizen scrutiny. Why would that be? We're going to find out with Ron Calzone, because he's going to be with us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, he is uh, MoFirst.org. You want to find out what's going on in Jeff City, you go right to Mr. Calzone, because he has the inside scoop. Uh, then after, uh, after that happens, we will uh, check in with Dave Rowland, MoFreedom.org. He finds some of those fascinating cases, and his mind really just... He just is so sharp, um, and his observation's so good. Uh, so we'll kick that around uh, about 11.15 or so. Uh, we've got a couple of other topics that we're going to throw in. Uh, you want to send me a message, go to GaryNolan.com, and uh, you can do that. No cookies, no registering, no nothing. Just send the message. You're listening to the, oh, geez, I just got one from Scotty. Huh. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1035. Uh, before I get to uh, Ron Calzone at MoFirst.org, uh, I need to address a couple of things, a couple of topics that we covered today. Uh, the first one is uh, a message I got from Judy. I'm sorry, but I totally disagree with what you're saying right now about the entertainment bill currently up for Missouri. My granddaughter is an up-and-coming actress and could find zero opportunities for good quality films in the state of Missouri. When asked why she was told the state had not welcomed any kind of good production companies for the types of films prog uh, and programs that she was looking to be a part of. Uh, Judy, it doesn't make sense to punish every taxpayer in the state of Missouri to get your daughter or your granddaughter a job. Tell her to go where they make movies already. If she's really good and she's very lucky, you need both of those, she just might come up with something. But it's not up to me to, to get punished for her burning desire to be an actress. Uh, and finally, this one just in from Linda. You need to stop spreading lies about vaping being safe. Ever heard of popcorn lung? It's no. worse than smoking. <laughs> Quit trying to hurt our youth. Well, Linda, do your homework. The chemical that causes popcorn lung is in cigarettes. Do you know of anybody smoking cigarettes that came down with popcorn lung disease? Because that chemical is in greater quantity in cigarettes than it is in vaping. And I don't know of anybody who's come down with popcorn lung disease from vaping. So it's, it's not that I'm wrong. It's that, well, frankly, you're wrong. Uh, in the meantime, Dave Rowland is going to be with us uh, about 45 minutes from now, 40 minutes from now. But Ron Calzone is with us. Calzone. Yeah, MoFirst.org. And apparently there are some bills that, um, well, they're going to protect government from citizen scrutiny. Now, why would they do that, Ron? Oh, well, maybe because citizens, more than ever, I think, are scrutinizing government. I think that's a good thing. But why would... So, so are, is this protecting legislators? Yeah. Uh, so, House Bill 301, which may have just passed the House in the last few minutes. I've, I've not been following exactly what's happening on the House side of the building. Uh, it was This House Bill 301 was perfected yesterday, so it very well could be third read today, which means that it will go on to the Senate. Uh, it's really not a bad bill overall. It's 21 pages, and it, and it deals with public safety. It does some good things that we could talk about maybe later. Uh, but the bad thing that it does, and an amendment offered by one of the darkest spots in the whole Missouri General Assembly, Representative Rudy Veet, it actually creates new felony provisions if you um, intimidate a, a legislator or a judicial officer. So, you know, there's this thing called tampering with a judicial officer. And, you know, it's something that you need to take care you need to take seriously because you certainly don't want judges to be threatened and maybe um, issue unjust opinions as a result of that. But this goes too far. This says that you're guilty of tampering with the judicial officer if you release his personal email address or his marital status or the identi identity um, or his mobile phone 
uh, home or mobile phone telephone number, or the identity of a child, and and uh, it's a class D felony if you do those things. Wait a minute. So if, then, if I, it's okay if I release his office phone number, but not his personal phone number. Not his home or, or mobile telephone number. That's right, or his personal email address. So I guess that would mean his official state email address would be fine. Uh, marital status. So I don't know. I listened to. Um, the attorney, I'm sorry, the uh, Chief Justice of the Missouri Supreme Court addressed the General Assembly with the State of the Judiciary uh, address, and he mentioned his wife and mentioned her by name. So, you know, that's public knowledge now. And, um, you know, so I guess you'd have to be very careful about how you might uh, share that information with somebody else if this bill becomes law. And, and now, to be fair, it's got to be within the context of intimidating them. You know, and so with respect to elected officials, this is part of the same amendment, which is any elected member of state government or any political subdivision, if you disclose, uh, if you publicly disclose, which would include, you know, posting a Facebook post or something like that, the name, home address, social security number, the telephone number, or other personal information of an elected official or a family member of the elected official with the purpose to harass or intimidate that person, or influence an elected official in the performance of such official's duties, it's a Class D felony. Well, let me ask so, you something, Ron. What what should should there be any punishment for giving out somebody's perhaps unlisted number, um, doxing them? I guess is the is the term. Should there be any punishment for that? Well, you know, how do you know a number is unlisted? Well, somebody may have, uh, he may have, he or she may have given it to somebody and they shared it with me and I'm sharing it with the world. Uh, yeah, well, giving out, maybe I followed him home and I uh, gave his address out on the World Wide Web uh, so that people can harass him at home uh, or her. Is that, uh, should that be punished? Well, so my point is, is how do you know whether, if I give you, you know, Senator such and such's phone number, how do you know it's unlisted? If I oh. say if I say call sen call Senator Jones, and there is no Senator Jones. Okay, if I say call Senator Jones, and here's his number, are you supposed to have to f try to figure out? You know, to call Senator Jones and tell him uh, that he was an idiot for voting for that bill, you know, or or you know because he he's supporting this bill or that bill, you're going to campaign against him. You're going to tell all your neighbors what a lousy senator he is. You know, what fill in the blank. Whatever's considered to be uh, intimidating or influencing that senator in the performance of his duty. I thought we were supposed to influence our legislators, but oh well. Um, I thought that was the whole idea behind, you know, Republican government. The idea that you've got representatives, you know, are you supposed to just, you know, walk in parades for them, donate money, put a yard sign up for them, and then just cut them loose? No, Are call me in my Senate office. You want to send me yeah. a message? Send it to my to my uh, uh, Senate email. Don't don't make me take this home to my family. Well, and for for the record, uh, I never share anybody's cell phone information or their or you know, particularly cell phone information. Something's not without their permission first, and I think that's the right thing to do. But I don't think it's the right thing to convict somebody of a Class D felony if they don't. So, 
it should go unpunished. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of, you know, feel this out. There should be no punishment at all. It's uh, you did this. You shouldn't have done it. Uh, well, no, I, I think it's, I think it's somewhat of a matter of judgment. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a public official, then I think you have to uh, accept a certain amount of public scrutiny. You know, that's not. I'm not talking about uh, threats of physical violence. Right. I'm not talking about. You know, TPing their house. You know, I'm not talking about a uh, key job on their car. You know, but this this language offered by Representative Rudy Veet says that if your purpose is to influence an elected official in the performance of his duties, it's a Class D felony. <sighs> All right. So, it, uh, so it, it's, it gets worse. So Senator Tony Luktemeyer has a bill that extends sovereign immunity. Are you, know, are you familiar with what sovereign immunity is? Yes, I is? am. Mm -hmm. uh, for so listeners' sake, it, it protects yeah. them from uh, litigation in the performance of their duty, essentially. Protects who? The, the officials. Yeah, well, so, yeah, sovereign immunity... You can't I sue think, them. You know, Dave, Dave could, Dave could clear, clarify this exactly <laughs> because he's had to deal with this. Sovereign immunity, I think, typically applies to a governmental entity. Right. And official immunity would apply to a, a governmental employee. So this bill extends sovereign or governmental tort immunity to private contractors of a public entity. So the word sovereign, of course, harkens back to kings, right? Yes. And, and frankly, the idea that in a republic... Any, there's anything that's considered to be sovereign other than the people is is an insult to the concept of a constitutional republic. So governments should not have sovereign immunity. Government entities shouldn't even have it. But you know this bill, and this is this is Senate Bill. Let me get the number here real quick. One seventeen. That has passed out of committee. It's on the Senate calendar right now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come on your program and talk about bills that don't have a chance. But this is a bill that's got a chance to get through the process. Um, it's going to extend the kind of immunity that, that they used to give to kings to private contractors. And, of course, as a libertarian, you understand the importance of tort. Yes, but what is, what is the impetus behind this? Who's, why are they introducing this? Uh, you know, I, I did not sit through the committee hearing. I don't know what the rationale was, but I, I don't think there's any good rationale. One of, you know, one of the things that a lot of people were really upset about is over the whole COVID thing is the fact that hospitals everywhere were using basically one protocol to treat COVID. And the protocol was killing people. And, and there's a lot of doctors now that are speaking out. And they're, you know, and they're saying that what we were doing was exactly the wrong thing. You know, not just about masking and not just about the vaccine, which has turned out to be a, a terrible debacle, but the whole treatment protocol and you know and and there and who knows where, when the dust will settle on that but i think that uh, there were a lot of people that um you know are, are potentially liable for killing a lot of other people because of their of the way they handled covid uh illnesses and a lot of it had to do with the federal and you know actually most of it probably had to do with the federal government and restrictions and the way they pay and things like that it's kind of complicated but um you know it's, there are people the idea that a vaccine manufacturer is totally immune from any kind of a civil lawsuit 
for for a bad product that they give that they give out is uh, is anathema to the concept of free market principles. You know, there's no real check on bad actors producing a bad, dangerous product and calling it safe and effective. You know, so I don't know if the whole COVID thing gave rise to this idea of private contractors. I don't know, but uh, it's it's mercantilism, it's crony capitalism. It's it's un-American to, to extend uh, the government's power of sovereign immunity to a private entity. Just like it's it's a, it's a terrible idea to give the government power of eminent domain yep, to a private I, entity. I agree with all of that, but I also agree with Brian, uh, who's telling me uh, we got to go to break. Ron Calzone, MoFirst.org. Ron, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary. All right, buddy. Take care. Uh, we'll cover that and tell you an ugly union, teachers union story next on the Gary Nolan Show. It's 1053 on a Think Tank Thursday. Dave Rowland is going to be with us uh, about 15 minutes from now, uh, about uh, quarter after uh, 11, and uh, live streaming a police stop. I mean, this is stuff you might want to know. It is of interest. Um, just what are your rights? Some cases that are going to be very interesting. Uh, we'll cover all that and more with him. Uh, a Massachusetts teachers union is asking the community to help them cover fines because apparently they're striking and and they shouldn't be. The Woburn Teachers Association has been charged a quarter of a million dollars in fines because they illegally went on strike, making the school uh, cancel classes for a week in uh, in February. The teachers' union wants the community to help them cover the cost of the fines through a GoFundMe campaign. Any help would be immensely appreciated. So the group that is contractually liable uh, for educating children decided not to do that for a week. And then when they didn't educate your children, they said, give us money to pay for the fine that we got for not educating children that we were under contract to educate. That's <laughs> only, oh, Lord. Uh, any help would be immensely appreciated. They, uh, the teachers union wrote in a tweet linked to the GoFundMe. We have some fines to pay. And unfortunately, the, backs, uh, the bake sale uh, couldn't cover it all. It's supposed to be the bake sale, but they wrote the back sale. They're, they're only teachers. What do they know? Uh, and then the tweet ended with a winking emoji. As of Thursday, community members raised uh, a little more than $46,000 for the teachers' union. Uh, they went on strike starting January 30th, asking for a 15%, uh, 14 and three quarter, 15% raise in, in uh, an increase in salary uh, for paraprofessionals in smaller class sizes. The city and the union reached an agreement giving the teachers 13 and three-quarter percent raise over the next four years, 10 extra minutes in their workday, and a 40% raise for paraprofessionals. That's expensive. That's government schools and government unions. Get your kids out of those. Holy Toledo. Uh, the House Oversight Committee is fighting Twitter censorship the wrong way. Congress should set its sights on bad government actors who pressured social media companies. This is going to be very interesting, and it's a very fine line. We'll kind of kick this around with Dave Rowland. 
Uh, so no matter what part of the state you're in, you might want to tune in for this. But the federal government, through the FBI and others, have influenced Twitter and Facebook at Al. And in ways that um, I think might violate freedom of speech. It all depends on how it was done, in my mind. We'll find out again from Dave. But here's my thinking. You got a bunch of legislators, including, by the way, our own Josh Hawley, who are threatening legislation against these social media pages. And if the government comes to these, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook, these social media pages, and they say, do this, we really think you should do this. And, and it's kind of the sort of Damocles hanging in the background with the, you know, the imp implication that, you know, maybe they'll be looking into your, uh, your freedoms. Um, maybe they'll do some investigating. Then it's, then it's, it, it boils down to coercion, I think, at that point. And then, it, then you've got the government violating your freedom of speech. I don't know if they can prove that or if that even happened. But the government has been in contact re and regularly uh, with these uh, internet, uh, 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 you know, the, these social media providers. I'm not sure if that is in and, it's, uh, in and of itself a problem. It, it, can the government, and, and I'll kick this around with you, can the government go to these pages these, these uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and others, and say, listen, we, we think that might be a problem if you let that spread. You know, if you could do something to control that, we'd appreciate it. Can the government do that without getting in trouble? Do you think it's okay for the government to tell Twitter, for instance... I, you know, I'm not so sure I would spread the word about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. We think it could be Russian, uh, you know, propaganda. Is there a problem with the government doing that? And that's exactly what they did. They went to Twitter. They went to Facebook. They, they wanted to crush the uh, New York Post story about Hunter's laptop. For whatever reason, that's what they did. Is there, in your mind, a line crossed? Should that be illegal? Is there something wrong with that? I'll kick that around with you in the next couple of minutes right after the news. Then Dave Rowland on The Gary Nolan Show. Think Tank Thursday, Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show.